On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd have always got the good oil, pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Yeah, time for our Monday's Experts chat uh, on this Monday, of course, the 8th of May. And our guest today is Gosford Cup winner Matt Smith. Of course, Esty Fenny we saw winning there on the weekend, but wanted to find out a little bit about Matt's story and his history of training and I guess what he's got in store for us in the upcoming years of his training um, stable there because he's uh, been flying. He's a Group 1 winning trainer and he joins us now. Good morning, Matt. G'day, Dave. Great to talk with you, mate, uh, and great to, I guess, have a chat to you today, not just about the horses on the track and, and trying to find a winner for our listeners, but yourself. And it's a, it's a, you've got an incredible story, mate, of course. Uh, you and Melissa um, have got that world-class racing stable, and you've had some great success winning Group 1s with some beautiful horses. I want to take you back right to the start. When did you first get into the racing game, and where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Wangaratta, Victoria, and um, my father... He was involved with the club there at the Wang Racing Club um, for for many years on the committee and president um, of the St Pat's Club, I think it was. And uh, Dad raced a few horses in Wangaratta in country Victoria with various trainers down there, the Hoisteads and Dennis Gray. And I just got a bit of a passion for it through him. Did you, uh, did we, we, was something you wanted to do coming out of school or did, did racing find you? I know it was around the family, but obviously growing up, were you, were you a keen footballer? Being from Wangaratta, were you into the AFL? Yeah, and no, I played a bit of AFL at, uh, with the uh, Wang Rovers and um, started off, I didn't, I probably didn't get the bug straight away. Um, you know, living in, in country Victoria, you know, sport was pretty big, so it was cricket in the summer and AFL in the winter, and I just played uh, AFL there, enjoyed enjoyed my time there, and then uh, I ended up uh, getting a job. Um, I did my HSC, finished that, and I get a, got a job in optics, and then I was working for OPSM Fanning. for a number of years. And, uh, yeah, and, I, and then I, um, I still had that bit of a bug, and I went down to uh, and spent a couple of weeks with John Sadler at Flemington and did some work experience with him. And um, I sort of took it off from there like basically that was the the, the time that really sort of I, I suppose grabbed me and and made me think well I really want to do something in racing and John Sandler was really good uh to me there for a couple of weeks I worked there and then I ended up going overseas and and following up you know what I sort of learned in Australia and, and the, the passion was there so all I needed to do was sort of make it happen um really interesting and, yeah, in those days there was no sort of flying start or anything like that so I suppose I designed my own a little bit. I, I just travelled, you know, to um, England and worked in England, and then I worked in Ireland, trade O'Brien, and uh, then I went to America and worked at, at Churchill Downs for a couple of years with Nilo Callahan, and then I got the job with Bart Cummings as foreman in Sydney, and I came back then and, and worked for Bart, and then I went out on my own from there. Let's go back then to the OPSM days. What? So are you qualified in optometry? That optical uh, technician. What, and, what uh, made you get into that? And, what made you pick well, that as your initial career? Well, I guess my parents really sort of pushed me into that. There was like, in, there wasn't a lot of opportunities in country Victoria at the time. We did, I did my HSC and I was, wasn't really sure what direction I wanted to go. And uh, the job came up and I sort of took it on and 
and I studied at uh, RMIT in Melbourne for a couple of years and, and worked down in Melbourne. And once I'd finished that, then I sort of thought to myself, well, it's time now to, to do what I want to do. I sort of did that. And I mean, I did, I was good fun. I enjoyed it. And it was really good, actually. I learned a lot about um, working with staff and handling um, staff and management roles and, and things like that. So it was very helpful when I started training on my yeah. own. Um, even though it's, it's completely different, but, the, but working with people and managing people is the same, you know, so it was really helpful there. And then um, from there, you know, I, I went uh, down and spent a couple of weeks during that time with uh, John and, and that sort of made my mind up. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and that, at that time when I was um, with John, like all the, you know, David Hayes and, and, uh, and all those big trainers were down there, Bart and et cetera, at Flemington. So it was exciting times to, to be down there at track work and, and, and watching what was going on for me. And uh, I just got the bug from there. That's extraordinary. Um, you've, tell me what it was about, you, you talk about this bug, and when I've asked others that have sort of mentioned the same bug, they might say, oh, it's the way in which the the horse treated the human and the way in which you could educate a horse and teach it to, to do different things. What's it about you with, with your bug and about racing? Um, I, look, I think it's a horse. Like I really, uh, when, when I did that work experience with John, I just was taken by the animal really. Um, I mean, I'd worked, did some work at, um, and spent some time in Wangaratta with um, a couple of trainers, just, just part-time stuff, like um, just very, Minimal amount, but it was sort of what I got to track work at Flemington and, and was looking at the horses and, and what was going on. And um, uh, I think that's where really I sort of thought, well, this is what I want to do. You know, I, I, um, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain if you get down there and there's stripping sheds, Flemington um, in the mornings, and you know, there's horses coming and going and trainers, and there's a lot going on. It was just the horses just took me, I don't know, took me by surprise as to, you know, the size and the strength and the power and watching them gallop and just like this is quite amazing, something I want to be involved in. Um, I mean, and I think you know my, my father was very involved for for many numbers of years. So I, you know, I was going to the races since I was five or six. You know, going to the races with him, and I always that passion and of looking at the horse and enjoying them. And so yeah, so once I'd done that work experience, I really then sort of thought this is something I really want to do. How do I go about it? I didn't. I couldn't ride work. I couldn't know what to do there. So I thought, well, I'll get myself overseas and see what happens over there. And I learned to ride in England. And uh, then I, from there, once I'd learned how to ride, I then I was then able to get a job in a stable in Ireland. And then um, it sort of, you know, went from a small stable in Ireland to then getting a job with Aidan O'Brien and then working with him and for a couple of years and going from there. So that's how it all sort of started yeah. for me. We're chatting with Matt Smith this morning. You're obviously training in your own right. You're a Group One winning trainer in your own right. But tell us about working for some of these uh, well, really legends of our sport. Uh, the fact that you were there too, I see uh, involved obviously with Bart and to to get that opportunity to work with Aidan O'Brien. What what I love about our racing game is we've all got our own ideas and our own beliefs in our own systems, but. To be around those those other people, especially like an Aidan O'Brien, what are some of the things that you picked up differently that uh, they may have been doing over there? And what about some of the just the, the words of wisdom as well? Yeah, look, um, it was very interesting working, especially in Ireland, because I started in a, um, a smaller yard with Pat O'Donnell, who had um, jumping horses and flat horses, and a lot of the yards over there are that way. And um, 
it was very rural and training in the paddocks and, and uh, galloping and taking them into tracks to gallop them, etc. That was a really good experience to just sort of see how, how you can get a horse fit in a different way because um, obviously the name of the game is keeping them sound and getting them fit at the same time and just watching how everyone does it a little bit differently uh, was was great experience. And then and then to go to Aidens was a much bigger operation, of course. But when I started there, there was it was mainly a jumping stable and semi-mixed flat horses were just sort of starting to come into the stable. Um, so the experience there was working with the jump horses initially was was um, fantastic, and I've, I've still got a um, I just got my well, I've got my jumping license actually in Victoria, and I tend to to continue to try and get a few jumpers, but it's different again working with the jump horses and then from working those horses up the hills there in Ireland and uh, and conditioning those horses to run uh, three miles and then when you go to the races on on race day with those jumpers and you put the saddle on it's like 12 stone Mm. and you you have a different perspective of um, respect for a thoroughbred when you consider they're running in heavy ground over three or four miles and carrying 12 stone on their back I just couldn't believe that they could do it so um, that was a really interesting part of working with the physics of how they can do it, like how do they carry the weight and how do they be able to jump and how do you get them fit. And I thought that was really interesting grounding to get that because I, mean, I saw a couple of times where um, Aiden had run a horse on the flat, you know, over a mile one day and then and then a week later the horse won a two-and-a-half-mile hurdle. And you, you ask yourself, well, how do you condition a horse to go from a mile to two-and-a-half mile? And so, like, you, you learn that the, the longer you're there, you learn how the, the uh, training takes place, how they condition the horses. And um, and it was just a wonderful experience. And, and then from working in the jump yard, I then went to work at Ballydore when all the horses were flat. Aidan, uh, he got the top job at uh, Coolmore, training the horses there. And so we moved, a lot of the operation went from uh, Pilltown uh, to uh, Ballydoyle. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the staff, we all moved down there. So then it was a completely different uh, job again. So going from working horses up a hill, you know, <laughs> jumping horses to working horses on the flat. But Aidan had come out of a uh, flat background. He'd worked with Jim Bolger for many years as his right-hand man. So he had his ideas of how he wanted to do it. And so we went into uh, Valley Doyle and we started training there, which was um, very interesting. Yeah, extraordinary. And I guess, too, at the time, I mean, they would have been some of the most expensive horses you'd been around obviously in your time at uh, john's and and various other bits and pieces you no doubt would have um been around good horses but we're talking about you know the the cream of the crop there yeah well, well when i was in valley Doyle, actually it was fairly in its infancy and and a lot of the horses were trained uh there were still a lot of horses trained outside valley Doyle for trainers for, for um, john magna so they hadn't completely moved everything every horse back there so uh, in the first couple of years, we didn't get the best horses in the, at that time. We were getting a lot of nice horses. Um, and, like, Desert King was one of the horses that um, was there, and I, I used to ride him work. And he was really one of the horses that put um, on the flat Aiden on the map, really, and, and sort of, I think, gave the confidence to to um, for the, the team, uh, John Magnus team, to really support Valley Doyle and make it the best training facility in, in the world. Like, I think early on it was... They put tenders out and Aiden got the job and there's no doubt he's the right man for the job as it's turned out in time. But they, they just had a lot of horses everywhere at that time. So um, it was fantastic that Aiden was able to take those horses which weren't the best, I don't think, 
and turn them into, you know, really good horses. And, and of course, you know, since then, it's just gone from strength to strength. It's the best training facility in the world, I, I think. Chatting with Matt Smith this morning. Matt, what about your time at Barts? Yeah, interesting again. Like, again, uh, like both Aiden and Bart are um, just very meticulous um, and always prepared to go the hard yard to get the job done and whatever it took. So I think that's one of the big things I learned off both of them. They're very similar in that way. Very different people, but very similar in their approach to training the horses, um, you know, making sure every everything's, every box is ticked uh, when horses are travelling or when, when horses are being trained. It's, you know, everything has to be done right. And uh, they they always didn't spare any expense or, or, or anything to make sure that uh, the horses were fed well and trained well and and, uh, and prepared as best they can for each race and, and really put a lot of effort and time into that planning and, and preparation. Matt? Um, Bart, Sorry, mate. Yeah, Bart was... Um, obviously, Bart, you know, was a different um, a di- different style of trainer, I would say, um, but a very deep thinker and someone who really put a lot of thought into uh, the preparations and, and certainly didn't um, didn't waste his words, Bart. There's no doubt about that. He said something, you, uh, you listen, that's mm. for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely that type of character, wasn't he? We're chatting with Matt Smith this morning and, and chatting a bit about Matt's career and life, obviously, mate, um, and from going and anyone can read your story on your current website and they can also get involved with ownership in the stable. You must be very proud of what you've achieved with winning Group 1 races. Obviously, Fierce Impact uh, was an absolute star for your particular uh, stable and obviously that good story you've got um, as well with your partner, Melissa. I mean, she has a racing background as well. Um, so the fact that you can, you know, do it together, so to speak, and you can also, um, you know, acquire these, uh, this, these passion together over the course of, um, your life is fantastic. Yeah, I'm very lucky, Dave. There's no doubt about it. Melissa, um, is a massive support and a massive part of the success. She's heavily involved with everything that goes on within the stable and, uh, you know, incredibly lucky to have met her. I met her when I was working for Bart. Melissa was working for Inglis. And William Ingles is when they were based at um, at, at Ramwick. And so we met there. And, yeah, now we've got two beautiful children. We're very lucky uh, to have met each other. And just that we can um, share the 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 business and, and the success and, and just the journey, I guess. it's um, It's been uh, wonderful, actually. We're, we're very proud of what we've achieved. Tell us about, you know, obviously winning the big group ones, mate, but fierce impact. I mean, he goes and stands at stud. In Victoria, you must be very proud of what you achieved with him. Ah, uh, for sure. Yeah, like um, timing's everything, isn't it? And just it's amazing how that that whole uh, that whole story turned out because we were actually um, in Japan with um, Francis and Chris Cook um, six months before that, and we, we would, you know, Francis said to me, you know, we'd love to get a deep impact at some stage if we can, and uh, just as fate would. would have, would have it um, in the next tried horse sale in England. There was a deep impact cult in there, fierce impact. And um, so it's amazing how things do happen. And, and we purchased that horse. And and um, it's funny because Francis didn't know I Francis didn't know I purchased the horse or Chris. And, and then the next morning, Francis was up early and he saw on Twitter or somewhere that we bought the horse. And he said, oh, that's great. You got me a deep impact. So uh, it's uh, amazing how things, you know, how things do turn out and uh yeah he was, he was a great horse for the stable and uh he was a bit of a difficult horse when we first got him he um 
he uh, was was a was a keen horse, and he, he took some settling, and he took a bit of settling, and uh, he took he took a while to acclimatise. Not 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 in terms of um, he was a good eater and everything like that, and he, he won on his first preparation at Ramwick over fourteen hundred, but he just took a lot of settling, and uh, we always wanted to get the blinkers on him, but we took a couple of preparations to to get them on him. But once we got the got the blinkers on him, he he, um, he just went to another level. He was a fantastic horse for the stable, he was very genuine, and uh, gee, I hope he can be success at studies uh, certainly. He was a uh, wonderful horse to us and had plenty of speed. And so you never know, one of those sons of a deep impact will make it and hopefully he'll be the one. Esty Fenny did you very proud and uh, at Gosford on the weekend. Uh, a horse that obviously started his life over there in Europe, uh, in Budapest, and found his way to your stable. How did he find his way to your stable? Yeah, I know. It's another one of these stories, these tried horses. You know, we're always looking for... Uh, um, you know, looking for a horse that can think of coming out here and compete on a Saturday or better. And, and, and you know, with tried horses, you're, you're trying to find ones that can get to the races a little bit quicker. I think that's the whole idea of it rather than waiting for yearlings. And look, we were trying to buy a horse in, in Germany called Colomano at the time, and we, we weren't able to uh, do a deal on him, but uh, he beat Esty Femi and in one of the races. And we went back and looked through his form and, um, Arvo from Tried and True Bloodstock, uh, he was really keen on the horse and well, he's, he's a beautiful individual, as you would have seen. And so we thought, well, let's give it a shot. Uh, he won from 14 to 28 and you don't see many horses that can do that. And that's one of the things I liked about him because I thought, well, he's got to be a really versatile horse if we can get him out here and um, we might be able to stretch him out to some of those longer races. So then we purchased him um, out, of, uh, out of Hungary, actually. So there uh, hasn't been many horses come out of there, I don't think. I saw it. A post on the weekend. He was the only stakes winner in 40, the last forty years. So incredible. And and look, he's um like I I can't thank enough the owners because I mean it would have been pretty easy to pop him on the online auction. This guy because um, he's had a lot of injuries, uh, isn't it? So it would have been easy for everybody just to vote to to turn him over. But he's just got so much ability. He's just had so many issues though. Just some horses just don't acclimatise to the uh, to the to the facilities here, to the tracks, etc. So um. You know, we've we've been working him at the beach, and it's made an amazing difference to him. He's um he's a different horse, so it was great to get a win for everybody on the weekend. That was for sure. And what's the plan with him now? Uh, look, he'll, he'll probably be he'll definitely be nominated for um, Sydney in a couple of weeks, and also in Brisbane. We'll put him in both, and we'll have a look. He, he kind of needs a dry track. That's one thing about that horse. So. We'll put him in both, and then we'll, we'll head to Queensland with him for a couple of runs this prep for sure. He's um, he's in really good form. He's pulled up fantastic, like hasn't even gone around on the weekend. So uh, it'd be great to um, win another couple with him for sure. That's outstanding. That's great stuff. Matt, before we uh, wrap it up, and oh, I'll ask you a two-pronged attack, who's your next stable star? Um, is it Bonas Notches? Uh, and, you know, what have you got for us possibly for the next couple of days, months that we can follow? And secondly... Um, what would a eight? What would you say to an eighteen-year-old Matt Smith if you saw him today? Okay, so uh, stable star Bonus Notches for sure. Uh, he's a super horse, and uh, uh, he'll win some big races next prep. He's a really good horse, so um, I'm really excited about him in the future. He's uh, got so much talent that horse. Hopefully, we can get him back, and uh, he'll be back in the, in the spring for sure. So he's having a little break now. Yep. Um, 
the weekend, we've got some nice horses running on the weekend. Uh, Floating's in again on Saturday, and he's flying. He's going super. Miracle Spin's going really well. Um, they're both uh, in really good shape, those horses. I'll go to Scone, and, and whenever they run in, they'll, they'll definitely be competitive. So okay. looking forward to uh, seeing them on the weekend. Um, we've got a few others going to Scone too. Um, so hopefully we can get a couple of winners up there. We've got a nice team heading up there. Um, well, an 18-year-old, what, would I, what advice would I give? Well, first thing I'd say is you've got to turn up to work on time. That's the first thing, because <laughs> uh, most don't. But uh, if they can get, if they, they've just got to be good, whatever they do. I mean, I mean, anyone can do whatever they like. I believe, like you, you know, you can do whatever you like. You just got to be committed to what you you want to do. You know, you've got to you've got to really make a serious commitment to what you decide you want to do. And if you make the commitment to yourself and you go for it, you'll, anyone can achieve whatever they like in life. They can do it. it can be done. You know, so many people come from nowhere to, to be so successful, and you just got to be committed to what you're doing. That's all I believe. Very sound advice. Matt, wonderful to talk to you this morning, mate. Well done uh, with uh, Gosford. Well done to your owners as well for being patient. And what a great story, and I hope it continues on. I'm sure it will continue on, and I'm tipping everyone listening has just put Bonner's notches in their little black book. Thanks, Dave. Anytime. Cheers, mate. Chat to you at Scone. Uh, Matt Smith joining us this morning, not just to talk about the horses, but also a little bit about his career. And I'll tell you what, what a journey he's been on in the racing game.